Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Well, hello there. How's it going, eh? This is What You've Been Playing Wednesday, and it's a special weekly episode that's a compilation of all the board games that we've been playing recently. And on this episode are Mr. Board Games, All You Can Board, Friday Night Games, Definitely a Board Game Podcast, The Cardboard Kid. Dice and Dragons, The Meeple Dungeon, Board on the Air, and Cardboard Conjecture. Remember to check out the show notes for the links to all the content of the What You've Been Playing Wednesday cast, and sit back and have a listen. Hey everybody, it's Em. What's going on folks, it's R. And together we are Mr. Board Games. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Underscore Lonely Table. And on YouTube by following the link in our profile or by searching Mr. Board Games on YouTube. Today is What You've Been Playing Wednesday. And this week I actually haven't been playing anything, but M has been playing more games. So M, what have you been playing? I have been playing Detective, a modern crime board game. That sounds ominous. I'm scared. Can you tell me more about Detective, a modern crime board game? So uh, the base game, which is what I've been playing through, is five parts of a mystery. And you are a detective and you play through the parts. So I this week I did, um, I guess, act four. I don't know what they call it, but story four. Um which was fun and it's getting towards the end where you get to like put all, everything you know together. So the gameplay um, is your detective. You are given kind of a time frame and an objective for the case that you're trying to solve. So it plays over, you know, you work eight to four and if you go into overtime, it adds stress like real life. And who works eight to four <laughs> these days? <laughs> No, not neither of us. And um, you get a certain number of days and you go through and you investigate certain aspects of the crime by um, doing certain tasks. And it also uses fun thing. It uses your computer so you can um, go to a database and you can look up suspects and you can put in any evidence you find and it'll match your evidence to other things in the system like fingerprints or blood types um, and you can Google things to learn more about it. So, for example, the um, base game is like kind of a crime that involves World War II. So there's lots of World War II references that you can like look up different, like the Seventh um, Army and other things about the Holocaust. Um, it's all set in Virginia. And I don't know. I find like we played the first one together and then I've played... The second one with K. Which is what I was going to say. I remember when I bought it, because I was the one who bought it many, many moons ago. 
Uh, I remember looking at it and reading about it and saying, hey, it looks cool. It's a detective. It's using technology. It's combining it. It did, it did advertise using the internet, actually using the internet, and having a mock database, like you had said, uh, to really kind of, I was like really mostly curious about how it rolled together. I remember buying it uh, also because, you know, you're a big detective type person you love your Sherlock Holmes your escape rooms and all that fun stuff it's true but I think you were the most excited about it and I was kind of like oh yeah it sounds kind of cool yeah you can if you I'm a sucker for technology but and I remember okay so we finally decided to crack it open this is going back now a couple years it's been two years I think since we uh, bought it I remember cracking it open we went through the first case and I remember we were joking about how we need to buy a whiteboard and make a whole conspiracy web uh, with little <laughs> pictures because it comes with pictures. And I remember putting them up, putting little things and putting red lines to, to, to connect everybody. Uh, I remember we went through the first case and uh, I remember getting to that point where you answer the questions at the end. And I remember you answer, we answered them together and then you hit submit and we got a really crappy score. Oh my God, I feel like it was the first time was like 30% because <laughs> like, we'd missed like some of the very like obvious clue, like obvious things. Like we definitely had overthought everything in that first case. And then I remember going, hmm, well, we got a really crappy score. Oh, that's too bad. And you were like, no, we're playing it again. <laughs> It's like, no, it's fine. We can move on to case two. You're like, no, we're doing case one again because I got a bad score. <laughs> I remember going through it a second time and then we went to the second time and we didn't get any better of a score. No. And I think like there definitely was like a learning curve about it. And even because I kind of looked ahead to the last case and I won't spoil it for anybody who wants to play it, but they do say that the last one is based off of your hunches. Your There's not a lot of evidence in the last one. It's more about connecting all the pieces that you've had from all the other cases and then just kind of putting everything together and going with your like gut feeling, which I think we did too much of yep. at the beginning. And that was a problem that I ran into with Kay because he was just all over the map and he was like oh this person has to be guilty and i've played the lot like two by myself and honestly it's been easier to play by myself than with another person yeah uh i remember we i attempted to play it with Kay and you and i was just not feeling it i was not feeling well that day and didn't wasn't really into it and i said all good so you're on your own and i left and you stuck to it, and you're almost there. I'm almost there. And the more exciting thing about it is that they've expanded, and we have, you know, different packs to try, which I think you're more excited about, especially the L.A. Crimes one, which is set more like, what, 1970s? Yeah, you old detectives. And now they've got Vienna Connection, which is using the same system but your spies, I believe. Yeah. So I'll give those a go. They, I noticed on the database, there's actually, um, I don't know if it's actually like a standalone game. I didn't click into it, but it looks more like a story, like more story-like um, in that I think you just play through it 
in the database. I don't even think that there's cards or moving pieces or anything well, to it. We will find so out. So we'll have to find out. And, and I was just going to say. Everybody updated. Yeah, keep people updated. And I was just going to say, who says you can't have fun by yourself with a board game? It's true. It's probably one of the more enjoyable solo experiences that I've had. So, folks, that is our, well, I guess M's play. Not My, so much me. What? I was just it's sharing it. Wednesday. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, so M, what do you got to say? Um, well, it's not going to be on YouTube because that would be spoilers, but you can find more about my experience on twitter well not twitter instagram because that's all me um and until next time keep it on the rails and the dice on the table have a great night Hey, I'm Carlo from All You Can Board, and I'm here with my cousin Dylan, as always, uh, on this episode of What You've Been Playing Wednesday. Thanks to Cardboard Conjecture for having us on once more, and we are here today to talk about a game that Dylan just got recently, which is Overboss, a boss monster adventure. So I'm going to kick it over to Dylan to start this off. Yeah, so for those who don't know, Overboss is uh, sort of a spiritual successor, in, or maybe not even that, just in the same world as uh, Boss Monster. And so Boss Monster is a game I really uh, enjoyed, and that's why it's called Boss Monster Adventures. It's kind of in the same world, uses some of the same characters, but it's a very different game. And so this plays one to five, um, and you basically have this, you know, map in front of you is I guess the best way to call it and you're basically drafting tiles and each time you draft a tile you're getting a tile to place on this map but you're also getting a small tile to place on top of the larger tiles and the smaller tiles are monsters and bosses and some of them will be portals and different things like that but you're having to balance what you're drafting is going to help you in multiple ways or potentially one way would help you and one way it wouldn't help you so you have to balance how you're getting these tiles and how you're going to incorporate them but it's such a simple premise and it plays so fast and I we had both heard about it for for a while and sort of it was on our radar but we didn't really think about buying it and then suddenly we have it and we play it and it's one of those moments where it's sort of like how do we not play this sooner why wasn't this on our radar sooner like it's it the the theme it checks all the right boxes for us it plays really quick it was tons of fun and it's that mix of you know we really enjoy games that have a simple mechanic but yet to take that simple mechanic and add depth to it in terms of you know it took no time for us to learn, and yet by like halfway through the game, we're making agonizing deci decisions, being like, "Oh, but how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that?" You know what I mean? Like, did you yeah. did you find that too? Yeah, especially for anyone who likes uh, who like Calico, which I'm a big fan of. Um, this is one of the same designers, uh, Kevin Russ. He's also co-designed it with um, Aaron Mesburn, um, and it gives you that really like the spatial awareness, the crunching. You feel the walls closing in. You're like, "How how do I already have no good places to put this tile?" Or like, you think the game is going to be easy it invites you in with this colorful artwork and whatever and you think it's going to be like low stress kind of thing and then suddenly you're just like how do I put this here how am I supposed to combo this like everything feels so difficult to get done in a way but I just love that challenge and even more than Calico or if we talk about even tiny towns these small like tiny towns you have a four by four grid on your thing Calico you got this big map this is a four by three so it's an even smaller grid so the game doesn't have many turns um, yeah, it's got a, got a lot to like about it. And what was it? We only played with the basic stuff first. And then afterwards we realized there's all these other powers and stuff. Yeah. That, that's what's super interesting is like the base game we played was super fun. 
And there's actually what they call, I guess, variants, but you can incorporate the bosses, like, you know, the all the bosses you're familiar with potentially from Boss Monster are there with their own twist that they add to the game. There's also these cards. I can't remember the exact name of what they are now, but um, it basically adds, like, different, um, uh, like, uh, one's called Overthrow, one's called Demolish, and, like, it basically adds different ways. I think there's one that specifically adds uh, new player interaction stuff, so if you thought, like, when we played, we had a great time, but there wasn't a lot of player interaction. These cards, some of them add a way to really introdu- interact with the player, where now you're actually destroying or moving or flipping different cards that they have on their board, where now I can completely wreck what you've been doing. So, but it, it's an, it's optional. Like, if, if you don't, if you're playing with someone who, that's what you're missing from this game, incorporate. If you're playing with someone where you don't want it to be that cut throat don't put it in right like there's there's that flexibility there's a solo mode there's i believe a campaign mode and i can't remember if the campaign mode is only for solo or if you can also do that with another person or do it competitively but like there's a a, for for this game there are a bunch of options beyond what the base game offers and the base game already offered what i thought was a really fun experience again like you mentioned in the same way that calico does where i could see myself coming back to it a lot and yet there's all these other options that you can also come back to and you know twist the formula if you're getting bored of the original yeah and one thing i wanted to just quickly add about those boss cards is don't you keep them face down at first they've got like a secret ability right and then once you you can kind of like in that way you don't know what other players bosses or their character is either so there's this secret element where everyone's kind of waiting playing this waiting game and then once you use your one-time secret ability everyone's like oh that's the boss you have and now they know your your ongoing ability but you don't know what theirs is yet so there's that and i also want to quickly touch on the the tile set that we talked about so because every game i think there's 10 different types of tiles that come with the game but every game your setup only involves what is it five or six of them i think yeah so you're you're definitely not getting all the tiles every game so not only are you seeing different tiles in each game the the tiles being matched with other specific tiles creates a different experience so even though you've seen this uh you know grassland tile or whatever they're called i don't know the names in front of me it might be different to see that tile when it's paired with this tile compared to when you saw it in the first game you played. Yeah, honestly, I'm really impressed. There aren't many games of this kind of like price range and level of complexity that packs so much into the box. Um, Just the value is like right up there. I said this about Calico when I reviewed it as well. Um, And I know this is published by a different company. This is Brotherwise, whereas Calico was published by AEG. But it's just one of those ones where because it goes from one to five and there's all these other bonus things, like you're going to get so much value out of this if you like it. If you you enjoy the game, it's basically a no-brainer to buy it because, again, this is just, it has a lot of legs. Yeah, so I think it's safe to say we're both very impressed with this. It's one that I think we're going to be playing uh, a bunch more times, and I definitely want to try it um, with more people as well and see, you know, how that experience translates. And if it was, you know, it's a, it's a case of it being perfect for two, and that's why we loved it so much, or if it even gets even better at three and four. So or I think it even goes up to five. So, um, yeah, can't say enough good things about it. And again, if you're someone who, you know, uh, has fond memories of retro video games. I think the theme is going to really, really do a lot for you and it's going to add a lot to it. They've done a great job with the artwork and incorporating that vibe just like Boss Monster did. So uh, great experience. Um, that is Boss Monster. That's what we've been playing. Um, again, if you want to find out more from our channel, see what else we've been playing over the uh, last little while, some other videos from us, uh, it's allyoucanboard.com or on YouTube or on social media. Hit us up there. We'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, thanks again for having us on and we will see you next time. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm John. And we're Friday Night Games. Games.
And you can find us on Instagram at Friday Night Games underscore official, Twitter at Friday Night GMS, and on our website at Friday Night.games. John, what game are we going to talk about today? Oh, we are going to talk about Spirit Island, my friend. Uh, designed by Eric Rose, published by Greater Than Games, and includes a whole lot of artists that we won't dare try to pronounce their names. Yeah, honestly, honestly, if we had listed all the artist names, we we would just be doing that for the next 10 minutes. So... <laughs> yeah. Spirit Island is a game where you play as a powerful spirit who is trying to stop explorers from building colonies and taking over your island. As a powerful spirit, you get spells in the form of cards that you can use to terrorize the explorers. The object of the game is to remove all explorers and colonies from the board before the explorer deck either runs out or the island becomes too blighted. As you destroy colonies, you get fear that gives some amazing card abilities and allows you to win easier, including an automatic win if you complete all the fear cards. As a spirit, you will grow. Generally, you will place your presence on the board that allows you to target lands, but also allows you to take back played cards, gain resources and other things. And there's a million spirits and they all do different things. (laughs) Uh, next you'll gain energy based on how much presence you have added to the board next you will play cards from your hand based on how much presence you've added to the board fast abilities will now resolve and then you'll resolve fear cards you gained and then you'll resolve the opponent's turn which is the the game itself and then slow abilities and then you do it all again (laughs) (laughs) until you either win or lose or you hate the game and throw it across the room something like that (laughs) All right, John, what'd you like about it? Uh, well, this game was pretty challenging. You know, it was my first time playing. It was kind of, you know, late in the night when you were teaching me. So, uh, you know, my brain turns off after a certain point in the day. Um, so I had a hard time, like, grasping what you were explaining to me. I had to really just fig- just play it and go along. But uh, I like that it was challenging. Um, I like that it it wasn't... I just like being able to play a game with you. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that was our uh, that was our first game uh, since uh, being on lockdown, so it was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I will just add this. So after you play enough of it, it actually becomes pretty easy. So I've actually played this back in December, and I played like eight or nine games uh, based on all the spirits and scenarios, maybe even more actually. And then I did the same thing again uh, before I taught it to you. So I play the game, you know, 20, 30 times. And it's actually pretty easy once you understand it. Like the flow is easy, but there's like a million cards. What else? What else did you like? I also like the fear cards. Um, I liked as we got to cycle through them. They made the game a little bit easier. Gave us some special uh, abilities to uh, to make our game life easier while we were playing, which was pretty cool. Yeah, and those are tiered. So as you uh, get gain more and more fear cards, they get more and more powerful, which really mm-hmm. helped us. Right, we started strategizing to kind of get more. Uh, fear cards to win which is cool yeah i think at some point we're like yeah we need to focus on that more (laughs) yeah yeah i played a lot of solo um of this game and it definitely is a little bit different with two players mainly because you're trying to make decisions together but although what we played we were kind of doing our own thing (laughs) yeah so basically uh depending on the amount of players you always place an extra board in there so there's my there's basically two boards for two players one for one three for three and so on and uh, I was just playing on my board and you're playing on your board and we're just sort of like won the game very easily. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was cool because I like I liked how I didn't really know what I was doing at first. Mm-hmm. But then I, but what I was doing was working like I kind of just 
secured one corner of of the board and I was kind of working my way up. I guess we didn't say this game is co-op, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) We're working together. And it definitely helps that I knew the rules because I could help you through it, right? So, Mm -hmm. sorry. Anyways, you're you're covering part of the board and moving forward, which was working. Yeah. So I was just kind of manning my my one side there and really protecting that from any like colonies uh, building building up there. So yeah, and we had uh, we had two spirits that we're using that really worked well together, and that's one of the things I love about this game. There is a billion spirits. We were actually playing with the uh, Jagged Earth expansion. Uh, which added a whole another group of spirits to it, but I think both of us played basic ones, which was cool. Mm-hmm. And I still, I still loved the game. Like it was just so good with two players. It was so good with one player. I can understand why it's a really, really popular game. Um, oh, and every spirit has like a, a special ability, so it kind of makes the game completely. And and actually, and ability cards. So they have a special their own ability cards, and there's abilities on the board that you trigger with runes on the cards. So there's all these possibilities and different ways to play the game, which is awesome. Yeah, I would like to play it, play it more, kind of get a better grasp on what's happening. Yeah, I'll let you borrow it uh, if you ever have time to play it. <laughs> yeah. So next year. <laughs> yeah. So what didn't you like? Oh, man, anal- analysis paralysis big time with this game. Yeah. Um, every every card has something to say, has something to do. Um, so it's really trying to figure out. Uh, what cards work well together on your turn that you can that you can play? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess this leads into like my next point, where I wish we got through more of the cards so I can see what there is to fully do. You know, because we're picking up uh, what, what were those, car- those so, uh, so cards? So so you're oh. calling it power cards is what you're is what you're yeah, referring yeah. to yeah, the, the cards card, you yeah. you gain them you put them in your hand. Um, and there's a lot of them. Uh, the expansion adds like a hundred. There's there's minor and major. So minor ones you pick up, you take up four, you choose one, it stays in your hand. Major, you have to actually lose a power, discard a power completely from the game for you to gain mm-hmm. a power. And those are way more powerful. But the expansion yeah. adds so many of them that there's you're just like even like single player. I only got through them in like eight games. I think I got through half the stack each game. Okay. Yeah. So it's actually pretty pretty reasonable to get through it if you're playing that way. If you're not, then because really you're trying to search for specific cards to help your character out. Really, is what you're doing. Right. So. Yeah, I just uh, I liked how the cards work together. So if you're like trying to have a really good defensive play, mm-hmm. um, there's some really good cards in there that that I had that worked really well to do that. So I kind of wish I had more. I saw more options. Yeah. Guess, but... You saw more comboing, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and then I guess on that note, um, the rule book has a million rules too. Uh, mm-hmm. And I actually find the game flow is very simple. But yeah, that analysis paralysis can really happen because you're, there's so many cards. You have to read everything. So if it's like your first time playing the game, it's going to be just not a great experience, to be honest with you. And my first time playing the game, I, I honestly remember this. I sat there for an hour, kind of upset because <laughs> I had no idea how to play. I'm like, I'm like, I just read this expansive, you know, really big rule book and now I have to figure out this game. And I, I'm just like, this is just a disaster. And then on top of that, <laughs> the expansion is just as many rules. So you're like, oh my Lord, like this is crazy. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. And on that note, the game is a table hog. It takes up a lot of room. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's a lot going on. There definitely is. Did we, did we play it wrong at all? No. <laughs> no okay of course we did uh well i mean there's so many rules and when you add that expansion um you're gonna forget things 
all the time. And I actually forgot right. things while playing the regular game. And then the expansion adds in all these little tokens. They all do different things. They're not marked on the token. You have to read this other card to figure out what those tokens do. So you just forget things. Mm -hmm. You just forget that do the actions that they do. So guess. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you'll forget to build. Or maybe you'll forget a rule like explorers come from the coast. So even though you eliminate all the explorers, they could still appear on the coastlines. Right. So... Well, I appreciate you taking the time to teach me how to play. I know we've been wanting to get this game uh, on the to the table together for a long time. So I love this game. I'm glad, I'm glad we finally it. played it. Me too. Me too. Together. I'm glad we finally played it together in person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, don't tell the government. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are John and Matt. And we're Friday Night Games. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram twitter and youtube and our website fridaynight.games where you can find all the links to everything thanks again have a good night see ya hello i am a ron milich and i'm royce calverly and we are definitely a board game podcast a podcast definitely about board games except when they're not and once again, we are here on What's Been Playing Wednesday. Royce, what were you playing on Wednesday? I was playing a beautiful game with amazing components. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's Paris nice. by uh, Kramer and Kiesling, cool. uh, released in 2020. It is a really neat interesting game where you are attempting to control neighborhoods you're attempting to get bonus points you're trying to rebuild paris in the 1920s you're trying to build the monuments build the houses the coolest thing about this game is it really is one of those games where every decision has to be made three or four moves ahead of time interesting You've got to be planning ahead. You've got to be thinking very carefully, what am I going to do? How am I going to get there? What steps? There is the occasional, very occasional, I've got to take this tactical move now. But it is one of the more strategic games I've ever played in that everything is multiple turns in advance. You're limited by the number of keys you have. You're limited by the amount of money and resources you have. Everything is limited, and it really is a fantastic game. Uh, can't recommend it enough. If you are listening to this on the day it drops, there is actually a Kickstarter for the expansion with the main game. Highly recommend you get on the Kickstarter just because the deluxe edition this has some of the most beautiful components I have seen in any game for a very, very long time. All the pieces are thick, wood, gorgeous. All the art is amazing. It has huge table presence. And the mechanisms match. Paris by Kramer and Giesling. Boy, cannot speak today, but yeah. yeah. Very cool. Uh, I've been playing a game that requires absolutely no strategy whatsoever. <laughs> complete opposite of your game but it's also very very beautiful it is very beautiful that's true so my game is simply called baseball and if you live in canada you might have seen at a fair nearby or an open market a guy selling these really beautiful wooden board games 
He's selling chess. He's selling backgammon. He's selling uh, euchre score uh, euchre score boxes and all these really cool things. Uh, talk as well. If you ever played that game from from uh, from Quebec. But one of the games he had there that I thought looked interesting is called Baseball. And it comes on this beautiful board. It's by Michaud Toys. And from what I can tell, I had to do some research. The original idea came from the educational toy company in Kitchener, Ontario in 1930. That game was literally just a pair of dice. You roll the dice and every dice combo results in something in terms of baseball. So for example, if you roll two ones or two sixes, you score a home run. And then every combo from there, from one, two, all the way to five, six, have different things that can happen in baseball. You could fly out or pop out, or you could steal a base or walk or hit a single, double or triple. And all you do is you keep track of your runs. Every time you roll the dice, you just look on the board. It tells you exactly what you just rolled. And you basically play a game of baseball that way. You keep score, you keep track of your outs, you keep track of your innings. This set comes with, I think, eight or ten different colors of marbles. You can pick whatever color you want. They've actually carved slots into the side. You can put all your marbles in there. Very beautiful looking game, but a very simple game. The kind of thing you might have in your man cave or if you're having a big party, you might have it out just so something people have something to do on the side and and play a quick game of baseball. Not not a lot, not a thinky game. It's over in about 15 minutes. It is fun, though, when you start getting a lot of consecutive runs in a row and you uh, start collecting those runs. It has a, an addictive quality to it. So check out Baseball by Michaud Toys. Uh, they do sell them online as well. Uh, they're a little pricey, but when you get the game itself, you'll be happy you did because they're very beautiful. And that's what I've been playing on Wednesday. All right. If you want to hear more about either Paris or baseball, we talk about both in our most recent episode, episode 32. We also have an excellent discussion about rule books, what we like, what we hate, good rule books versus bad rule books. We had a few controversial opinions on that one. Feel free to download it. You can find our podcast anywhere where podcasts live. Yep. Where else can they reach us, Aaron? They can email us at definitely board at gmail.com if you have any comments about the games made today or any of our episodes feel free to leave us a note there you can find us at at board definitely on facebook at board definitely on twitter we have a guild at board game geek just look up definitely a board game podcast and as royce mentioned we're everywhere spotify apple Podcasts. you can listen to us anywhere podcasts live royce you want to say goodbye no okay i'm good i won't either cardboard kit. If you don't know me, I'm 11 years old and I've reviewed games on YouTube since April 2017. I have 290 reviews plus dozens of interviews and features. My latest was this past Friday, Chronicles of Crime 1900, and my next will be up this Friday. I mentioned on Twitter at cardboard underscore kid that I was going to do a giveaway in last week's episode, but then our modem died. First, let me talk about the game Rift Force. Two players will assemble an army of summoners and their elementals in order to gain Rift Force points. It's an area control game on opposing sides of a board. You'll play cards at various locations in an attempt to control them and destroy their enemies who are trying to do the same. In December 2019, I've reviewed a game called Sorcerer, which I love. This is kind of like a light version of Sorcerer that plays in about half the time. Pretty cool.
If you're interested in Rift Force, which made it to the 2021 Kinder Spiel DRS list of recommended games, retweet your favorite Cardboard Kid review, or the first one you watched, or any. Just make sure you're at the hashtags Rift Force and WBPW. Back to my thoughts. We played Destiny's Sea of Sand in a single weekend, all nearly 11 hours of it. That was a bit much, but it's fantastic. The story and new gameplay additions are so much better than the base games, and regular listeners and followers know how much I enjoyed the base game. But wow, it's just it just feels too long. I think a bit of polishing the app's wording could easily cut at least 30 minutes per adventure. I played Talisman for the first time thanks to a provided Xbox key. My upcoming review focuses on the fact that, aside from the name, I pretty much knew nothing about this 40-year-old board game. While there are parts of the game I enjoyed, there are parts I didn't, the length for one, but the digital version seems like a great version. It has about a dozen or more house rules to tweak things as you like. Unfortunately, some seem to be only available through the expansions. We played two games in Haba's new deduction series, The Key. Sabotage at Lucky Llama Land is a great introduction to deduction games, and even though it deals with a crime, I think kids younger than me will have a lot of fun. It's also replayable, not as much as the brilliant search for Planet X, but at least nine times. Murder at Oakdale Club sounds more gruesome than it is, but the theme and additional content might make this better suited for at least eight-year-olds. As usual, we had our RPG session on Sunday. We're playing D&D and are making our way toward the Wood of Sharp Teeth. It seems that there is even more for us to fear in the woods than the werewolves. That's about all for now. If you want to see photos and updates on what I'm playing, follow me on Twitter at Cardboard underscore Kid. For weekly reviews, check out my YouTube channel, The Cardboard Kid. Don't forget about the giveaway. We'll keep things running for two weeks and announce the winner in my next WBPW appearance. Please stay safe. Happy gaming! What up, gamers? I'm Jason. I'm Julie, and together we're Dyson Dragons. And you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram at Dyson Dragons, or on Twitter at Dyson Dragon. So, Jason, what is this? It's What You've Been Playing Wednesdays. So, Julie, what did we play between now and our last What You've Been Playing Wednesdays? Uh, we played the Snallygaster situation, kids on bikes board game. Yeah, so this is adapted from the tabletop RPG. It is published by Renegade Game Studios and designed by Michael Addison and Jonathan Gilmore. We also played, well, finished off our plays of Power Rangers Heroes of the Grid, the second villain pack, the Machine Empire. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Machine Empire really quick as we really want to focus more on the Snallygaster situation. Uh, that game is also by Renegade Game Studios and is designed by Jonathan Ying. So the Machine Empire, what did you think having the Zeo Rangers villains added to the game? Well, we also played with the Space... Uh, we played them with the Space Rangers, but that was more last week. This We finished up... Uh, that. Oh, okay, I like it's like a continuous. Power Rangers it blends together a little bit. Yeah, so uh one of the monsters was pretty hard. The was it King King something or other? King Mondo. Yeah, he was hard. I think he's the hardest monster that they added to the game. You got some cool new features with uh, the joint monsters, was I just yeah, like for the, the variety? The prince and princess. That was that was neat. And uh, uh Louis Kaboom was interesting. Luckily, we had our rolling mistress, master, I don't know, pick your word that you want. Demon. Demon? <laughs> Rolling boss. In any case, I mean, it was... It, 
they were they're different they're harder and i think that's one of the things we had said we needed based on the the fact that the zeal rangers are so much stronger we needed stronger villains and these ones definitely aren't yep so that's all we really want to say what we were referencing with julie's rolling skills is louis kaboom has an ability where he blows up and hits all the rangers and it's three times your die roll and julie rolled zeros both times giving us a nice advantage so moving on the snallygaster situation kids on bikes the board game aka stranger things the board game aka goonies the board game aka mash that all up with some stephen king as well you get the idea as to what i'm where i'm going with this this is a two to five player game where you'll take on the role of kids moving around the town of Lakeview and solving, well, saving it from one of the four monsters that will be attacking it, depending on your scenario. There are four different difficulties and one player will always be the lost kid, uh, just like Will from Stranger Things. And your friends have to find you. You're of course the new kid in town that has some strange powers. So there is a lot of 80s goodness piled into this game. Uh, what did you think of it, Julie? Well, the first time we played it, I thought, wow, this is really easy. It does feel like, I, I'm going to honestly say from a uh, family-friendly perspective, this is probably one of the more, I mean, it, it reminds me a little bit of, of uh, franchises like, uh, um, sorry, I'm thinking, go, I'm going to say Gone with the Wind, but I mean Back, in, uh, Back to the Future. Like those games, yeah. Yeah, so this is definitely something that I think you can play. What were the ages on this again, Jason? Eight and above. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say, this is definitely something you can play where you're seven or eight-year-olds. Um, it's it's really, it's PG, and it feels, I mean, the theme of it definitely feels young. Uh, but there are, I mean, the, the, even the monsters, I mean, the monsters are, are, you know, they remind me a little bit of Stranger Things light, I would say. Well, it's really focused on the 80s. I mean, this is like, you know, like gremlins. Like it's the kids that are solving the situation because either the adults are too busy with work, it's suburban, down or, and they don't care. too ignorant. Too ignorant, exactly. So that's that's the theme and I think they really get it captured well. I mean, the, the map looks a lot like the map in Stranger Things. So I do feel like this is probably a lot more heavily influenced by Stranger Things things especially with the lost kill element that's not something that's always present in those 80 movies but they really focus on that now and it's more present in uh, some of the older stories so what i'm going to say is while it is definitely playable at two players i definitely think that this would be more fun at uh you know three to four or i maybe five is too many but it feels like at least you know three or four would would be more more fun uh, and I have to agree with you. And while our first game was uh, a little too easy, I just want to clarify on that there were some rules that we missed. The game is very simple and easy to play. However, it would be nice to have some rule clarifications. For example, the monsters attack, but it doesn't say, you know, that the monsters will attack like their locations. It seemed just going through the rule book the first time it made it seem like they would attack the kids. But uh, as you will have seen, if you watch the whole uh, how to play, uh, the Doom track went up really quickly with the... Uh, Jersey Devil cursing a lot of different locations, which means you're trying to have them backtrack a lot. And it's really tricky and there's some tough choices that you have to make. So while it's similar to some of the uh, the other family-friendly games, I think it's difficulties right up there with uh, Back to the Future, Back in Time. And while I do love Horrified Foot Simplicity, I do think that uh, this one, I don't know, I'd have to try to the higher player counts, but I might like this one more just because of the way the Lost Kit works. Yeah, and I mean, 
it's you've got some difficult decisions when you're playing. I would definitely say I don't think a seven or eight or even a ten year old is going to play the lost kid. Uh, I mean, I think they probably probably could, but I think they would end up with uh, the doom track going up pretty quickly because there are some difficult you know decisions that you have to make. Uh, you know, with trying to save your friends. But I agree with you. I think some of the rules need to be clarified a little bit. You know, one of the things I'm thinking of is when the lost kid is found, uh, you know, they know where the monster is. Does the monster then appear on the board because the lost kid is telling their friends where it is? It's not clear in the rules whether or not, you know, they should show up. No, exactly, because uh, two of the monsters have a secret board, and because they're, they're on the secret board, uh, you don't see where they are. They only show up at certain times. So that's one of the things that could use some clarification. I mean, we just put the monster on the board because it didn't make much sense that the lost kid would be keeping that, that information secret from everyone else. You found them. I mean, that's sort of the whole point of them. They've got powers and abilities. They should know what the monster's doing. I, you know, I definitely think if you, especially if you have a family, but even uh, if you don't, I think if you enjoy the theme of the Goonies or, you know, Stranger Things, I think, and you like board games, I think this is definitely something you should consider, especially if you like cooperative games. Yeah, and one of the things that I want to just mention, there was a Goonies board game that came out, and because you mentioned it, I do think that this might fit better for some fans because the one by Funko is actually a... One versus many game where this is a fully cooperative game, which is just a, a big strength for us. And I really think that even though you've got like, there is a little bit of that one versus many aspect because of the way the lost kid controls the monster. But I like the fact that it's helping your friends. So on that note, Julie, I think we've talked enough about this. When is our video going to be available? Probably the day after you hear this. All right. So what time is it? It's time to remind everybody to keep, keep playing, playing games. games. Hello everybody, it's Rob and Anna-Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. Hello. And we are back recording for the What You've Been Playing Wednesdays podcast. And we've been playing one game this week. Anna-Marie, what have we been playing? We've been playing Cosmic Frog, World Eaters from Dimension Zero. And it is designed by James Felly, uh, published by Devious Weasel Games, and art by Tim Barton. Yeah, we've been playing Cosmic Frog. So I just want to start off by saying that Cosmic Frog is the strangest theme I've ever <laughs> had um, in a game I, I think ever I don't I cannot yep. think of anything that's stranger than this but it is super super awesome so cool and yeah I, I can't say enough about the theme it just it works on a very strange level absolutely um, it does. it's so good so what are we doing in this game we are two mile high frogs magic mythical frogs that are leaping around um in these in these from world to world and they're called shards like these big groups of destroyed kind of planets that have bits and pieces of it all over the place and you're you're swallowing up these these tiles it's 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 a it's a, the board is made out of tiles and you're um you're swallowing these tiles into your gullet and then you're jumping off of this planet into the aether and you're Disgorging your, your gullet into a magical vault. Um, and you're trying to arrange these tiles in certain patterns to score points at the end of the game. you're trying to put the world back together, I think, with all well, the different... Well, I think like, they're going to reuse the yeah. bits of these worlds to make other worlds, I think is kind of what's happening. Yeah. But yeah, you're kind of doing like a, like a weird... 
uh, tile placement thing in your vault once you've disgorged them there where you're trying to kind of do the Azul thing where you're kind of doing patterns and, and rows and columns of these bits and pieces of different terrains. And you, you put them into your vault um, depending on how you put them how you put them into your gullet. So you when you eat part of, like, take part of a planet, it goes to the bottom of your gullet, but when you disgorge, you disgorge from the top of your gullet, and that kind of determines how you put them yeah. out. Because uh, they you swallow vault. it in one order and Swallows then you puke the it up in for. another in, 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 in the in the reverse order, right? And each frog um, has a special ability that you start the game with, and you're going to lose those abilities. Oh, they and, flippy flop all the time. And gain which is great. abilities, yeah, constantly losing and gaining different abilities. Um, you are using oomph as your hmm. uh, what would you call it? Your um, I guess you're spending like energy almost. Yeah, like your energy that you can use through the game to give yourself uh, little advantages here and there, which are represented by these awesome crystals. Actually, we can talk about that. The components of this game, when I first opened the box, were exceptional. Where there, there's oh, no yeah. board, there's a rollout neoprene mat. Uh, the artwork is insanely gorgeous. Props to Tim Barton because yeah. that oh, artwork yeah. was so is so nice. It's, it's so so, so awesome. good. All the art on all the cards, the instruction manual, the the, the rollout mat, the little um, frog miniatures are really cool. They're uh, and we're gonna paint them up and make them look all wacky yeah. and cool, just like they are in the art. But um, yeah, the components are awesome. The little crystals, like your oomph crystals, are really nice. And yeah, can't say too many good things about that. So we've attempted to play this game. Uh, many times over the last week or so and it's we've always got caught do it's been like, busy it's, it's been, been a difficult. busy few weeks yeah to say the least yeah. it's been difficult we played it three player a few nights ago with our, our buddy kurt came over for the first time in about a year um to play a game to play a was... game and we didn't even start playing the game until i want to say after 10 o'clock because yeah, we're, we're catching fairly up accurate and, and we got uh, more than halfway through the game i would say when it was after midnight and we just we were all First playthrough, we're always checking the rules, crashing, and, and yeah. yeah. Like, and yeah, this game is a bit of a tall order. Like, it, don't let the theme fool you. There's there's a lot. There's going a on lot in this game. going on, but the rule book was very, I found, well written. Yeah, but there was a lot to read. A lot to read. So there was a lot going on. Yeah, it was a it was a late night. So we <laughs> we got the gist of the game anyway, and we uh, we had to call our quits there because it was almost one o'clock or something in the morning. But then, uh, yeah, we we played two players since then uh, with me and Anna Marie, and we we screwed up a couple of rules here and there, which is not not a huge different uh, difference from what you would actually do. Yeah. But we um, we were loving the game all the way through. It was just working awesome, doing awesome until the last round. We kind of mathematically, I think, did some sort of anomaly <laughs> where. Um, there's these fracture tiles, and if, if you flip over X, uh, seven of them, I think yeah. if you if you flip over seven fracture tiles in the game, the game ends immediately. And we'd only flipped over one yeah. by the time all the land tiles had been taken off of the board. And that's the second um, you know end game condition is yeah. when all the tiles are gone. But when all the tiles are gone, uh, land tiles, it doesn't end immediately. You then uh, go through the go through the action, the back action until back it's again. done. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, we we had two tiles left, two land tiles, and then we had to run through the whole action deck. And again. Our, our deck and it ended before we did it, so then yeah. we had to do the whole. Action so deck. we had to end up basically just punching each other back and <laughs> forth for the last round of the game, which kind of 
fell a little flat, but I think it was just it was just an anomaly. Yeah, it was a weird one. This way. Um, otherwise, like this, this is not an example of how the game would end. Right up to that point, it was doing oh, it was awesome, awesome, and we were beating each other up and stealing stuff from each other's vaults and kicking each other out into the outer dimensions. Yeah. And, and one thing awesome. that I really liked in this one too is um, the way your turn order goes. You have an action deck. Yeah, the, yeah, we didn't mention that. Yeah, yeah, and and the action deck is basically made up of frogs. So there's a purple frog, a yellow frog, a green frog. You know, whichever frogs you're playing, and you you shuffle it up and you flip a card. Yeah, and e- each frog has five or six cards. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you you shuffle those all up and then. You draw them one at a time, and you could have four turns in, turns a, row. in a row. But then that means your opponent's going to have four turns in a row, probably the somewhere nice, down the line. Yeah, the nice thing yeah. it does is it, it makes it so you don't, you can't really strategize hard because you don't know if you're going to have your turn next or not. So you can't, and, and things are going to change by then. So, which I thought was nice because you didn't spend too much time thinking about your turn. Yeah, and you, you go through that deck and you shuffle it up at the end of every round, and it's just a total yeah. gong show for the next round. So, yeah, no, Cosmic Frog, a lot of fun. We're looking forward to playing with, uh, it goes up to six players. That so I think, I think it's really, fantastic. really going to sing yeah. with the more players uh, that you play with. So, But gorgeous game. Yeah. Really fun. Love everything about it. Uh, recommend it. But yeah, excited to play with uh, four, five, six players. So yeah, but we got to run. So we'll see you next week. Cheers. See ya. I'm Shay. And I'm David. And you are listening to What You Been Playing. No? No, I'm leaving. No? I'm out. What have you? What have you been playing? Wednesday. What have been playing? What a? What have been playing? <laughs> we should go with that just to bug Norm for a bit. <laughs> what have been playing? <laughs> uh, so this is What Have You Been Playing, a weekly podcast. By a bunch of Canadian board game podcasters. Yes, the greatest Canucks in the history of board game podcasting. Sure, we'll call it that. Okay. Uh, and we are going to be discussing the game that we played this week, which is... Micro Macro, Micro Macro Crime City. Yeah. So I think there's been a lot of um, buzz about this game. I've seen a lot of reviews about it. A lot of people playing it. Yeah, a lot of people playing it and then it went away because nobody could get it. Yes. Yeah. So there's a lot of people wanting to play it and finally came back in print or they got another shipment. As everybody knows, COVID has messed with everything mm-hmm. and supply of board games is just another one of those things it's messed with. Mm-hmm. And we were able to get a copy finally. and got it on the table. Yeah. And it took up the whole table. It took up the whole table. Uh, but it was really fun. So this is kind of a Where's Waldo style game, and now I got to be careful. I already spoiled one game. I got to make sure I yeah. don't spoil another game. We we will, Scouts Honor. We will try not to do any spoilers in this game. Yes. So it's a Where's Waldo style. Yes. You have little cards that are your case. Yeah. Uh, or that describe your case, and what they do is they usually start out with like for the basic ones, you start out with a, uh, crime scene. Yeah. tell you where the crime scene is. And then as you flip each card, it tells you, it asks you a question. So it says like, um, you know, where did the person live? Yep. You know, what, what was the motive? Because you're solving the crime is what you're doing. 
And it was really neat. There's all this, there's this cartoon map and you have uh, the characters on them and the way you find out like where they've come from and stuff is there's, they literally, they have the character on it multiple times and you just follow it back. Yeah. So basically the pictures are timestamps, mm-hmm. right? And, you, and you're, you find the crime scene and then you're following it back to see, you know, where the murderer came from, what he used to poison people or what he used to murder people. And then he... You know, you're finding out where you where the murder victim came from, and what yeah. may have been the reason why he got murdered, murdered yeah. or <laughs> murdered. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pretty so, much all of them have been murdered it, so it, far. It was uh, yeah, it was all all murders. Was there a robbery? There was, there one, was robbery. one robbery. Yeah, but that's if we were going to spoil the game, we would talk about that. Right, of course. Now you can also play it. Um, there's in a the basic more, the version. Basic version, which is what we explained, where you flip the cards, and there's a more advanced version, where instead of flipping the cards, you find out where the crime scene is, and then you just go and try and find all the information. Yeah, so there's 16 cases in the box, and they talk about a ba- or a general var- variation and the advanced variation. And in the basic, you know, as you flip cards, it says, where was this? Where was this? And then you flip it over, and it gives you the answer to to see if you're right. So one person is the lead investigator and he's the guy reading the cards. So if you're wrong, he backs out of that case and tries to give you some clues and stuff as to where it is or tells you to keep looking is how I did it. Yeah. Uh, And then the advanced, you flip over the first card, it says so-and-so was murdered in this area. And you go there and you start studying the crime scene. Yep. And you go back and forth uh, you try and figure out who murdered or who stole something and you go back and forth and try to find as much backstory as you can. Uh, and what we used is little wooden blocks to mark off the different spots where we found stuff that we thought was important to the case. Mm-hmm. And then you go back to the cards and you read off the, the questions to the cards and you try to answer it at that point. Uh, the, the cards are really in, in the basic version to help you solve or help push you along. Yeah. It's giving you hints as you go. Well, and like what information you're looking for, right? Yes. Like I wouldn't jump straight into the advanced version because you really don't know what type of questions they're going to ask. Yeah. Doing a couple of the uh, regular version and then going into the advanced, you kind of know what you're looking for and it really helps it. But it also is, I found it very fun to do the advanced one because you're just kind of like, oh, there they are, there they are, there they are. And you're like, is this useful? Is this useful? I don't know. What about this? Yeah. And, yeah. and that was the consensus online for the reviews as well. They were like, you know, once you get into the advanced version, you'll never play the game the other way again. Yeah. Right? It was it was just that much more fun. And I enjoyed the basic version. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game in general, as a deduction game, was a blast. Oh, definitely. Uh, I can't wait to finish it and wait for the second one to come. I know there's a couple of cases online that you can get from BGG. There's a, a free case you can get off their site. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to want to get those. Yeah. How much is this game? It's about $35. Okay. So I think that's reasonable for... Because like it's a game where you really probably won't play it again because you've solved the cases, yeah. right? So for a game that once you've solved all of them, it's kind of done, that's a decent price, I'd say, for it. Yeah, in, in the manual, that does talk about, you know, keeping the keeping the map around because they will try to release more and more cases. Right. Or just to start studying and see what you see 
and, and then see if you've you found another case for them to uh, to write up to write up. That's fun. I like that. Yeah. So yeah, I had a great time playing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would play this with pretty much anyone. We had four people going, and in a couple of cases, uh, some of the people did. Depending on where on the map yeah. it was, some people didn't seem to help as much as, or couldn't help as much as yeah. the people that it was right in front of. Every time it was way far away, it was a little harder to get to, right? Yes. But I think it's still kind of even though It'd probably be better with maybe two people. Yeah, I think at two, this game would yeah. really, really shine. Yeah. At, at four, we were tripping over each other a little bit. Yeah. But I still had a great time. Absolutely. Okay, I'm David. And I'm Shay. And this has been... What you been playing? What a what have been playing? What have been playing? Okay, Uh, we are Board on the Air, a weekly radio show on CFCR Thursday nights at six, and you can find us on all your local podcasting sites. Have a great night. Hey there, it's Norm from Cardboard Conjecture Podcast and Bridge City Board Gamers here in Saskatoon. And this is What You've Been Playing Wednesday and What Have I Been Playing? Well, I want to talk about two things, two games. Uh, The first game is a game that Daniel and I um, have been playing a lot lately. And if uh, anybody has kids who lock into a game... Be prepared to play repetitions. And uh, we've been playing Wizardry to the Power of Three 2016 release. Uh, It uh, plays two to six players, ages six and up. And uh, let's talk about the mechanics first. Um, This is a cooperative dice rolling memory game. Cool. Now, (laughs) I don't think kids care about mechanisms. They care about what you're doing and what the story is. And this is basically... You are three young wizardry students who have left the castle and have wandered down to the market down the road. And it is after bedtime hours. And all of a sudden, the uh, ghost, who is, let's call him uh, the uh, hallway monitor for the wizardry castle, uh, is going to catch them. And if the ghost catches them, then they get in trouble. And now how this works is... Uh, you have the destination point being the, the wizardry castle where the, where the young wizards need to um, run back to before they get caught out of the castle after hours. And um, so you start in the village and then further down the path is the ghost. And on this path uh, for the ghost's progression, um, you, there's little arrows indicating what the ghost's movement is after a round. And uh, as the game begins, the ghost progresses slowly. But as the game get amps up, it, the ghost progresses faster. Now, how do you move? This is the cool part. And <laughs> this, is, this is the very, uh, not difficult part, but um, let's just put it this way. This is one of those games where the, the, the parent's going to be just as engaged because um, you roll the dice and the dice represent uh, symbols. Now, how this works is... On the perimeter of the game board, because it's a forest, there are trees. And I believe there's about 14 trees, maybe a little bit more. But underneath these trees are um, little fairy fire symbols that help guide your way back. Now, this is the cool part of the variability of this, because you randomly distribute these on the, the tree perimeter. 
And at the beginning of your turn, each person looks at two of them and memorizes the symbol and the position and then puts it back down. Now, this is the cool part. You roll the dice and the dice reveal the symbols that you have to, uh, one at a time, uh, reveal. And if you're successful, that represents your movement down the path. The moment that you're not successful, boom, your turn's over and it go, you move the dice to the next person. Now, here's a couple cool things. On the dice, there is a symbol of a ghost moving forward one space. Yikes. And that's never good. Um, the other symbol is a potion. And the potion is a plus one move that you can hang on to and give to anybody at any moment. Um, this is so much fun. The, uh, the, the hard part of this is, is like I said, the repetitions of plays. Because Daniel's like, again, again, again. Which is great. Because, I mean, who doesn't want to play board games with their kids? Um, so what, what I'm finding uh, a little bit, uh, uh, not confusing, but, uh, more so what, what us, uh, um, educational technologists call cognitive dissonance, which is the idea of having inconsistent thoughts and old memories and, and new memories w with the idea of, okay, was, was the spider in this spot or was that last game or was that two games ago? Right, so the be being able to short and diff uh, uh, sort out and differentiate your short-term and long-term memory, uh, yeah, it's a challenge. Or maybe because that's a, you know I'm getting old. Um, nah, I'm not getting old. It's a challenge. Um, so yeah, uh, the other game that uh, I've been playing, I'll just quickly mention it because we're going to get into a little bit deeper. Is Merv, uh, and let me get the title correctly here. Uh, Merv, Heart of the Silk Road. Uh, I've been playing that to refamiliarize myself because we're doing a really cool thing with Friday Night Games, and it's uh, I think last game standing, um, and uh, yeah, that's been so much fun. So I played that again, and uh, it's uh, what, without getting into the, describing it, it's such a good Euro game. Um, has so much dimension, appeals to everything I like about Euros. And, uh, and, and of course, the, the uh, variability in it is, is on point. Absolutely. So, yeah, we're going to do, uh, I believe we're going to do a review of this game uh, later on. And uh, so, yeah, those are the two games that I've been playing. Merv, Heart of the Silk Road and Wizardry to the Power of Three. Um, and that takes us to the end of this episode of What You've Been Playing Wednesday. Um, as always, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to all of these fantastic content creators uh, um, for the weekly collaboration. It's, uh, it's amazing. I, every time I listen to it, uh, my pocketbook gets a little bit lighter. Pocketbook. Is that like an old term? Oh, that's twice I hit the old button. All right, that's enough. So uh, as we always say, keep your stick on the ice and take care out there, eh? If you liked the content that we produce and the type of show we're creating, please leave a happy rating on iTunes or the podcast platform that you use. This would be such a great gift, and it would help make it easier for others to find us when they search for board game podcasts. This episode of What You've Been Playing Wednesday has been brought to you by Cardboard Conjecture, who get the feeling that... Gaming in public again is going to be like coming out of a fallout shelter after a long hibernation. Mm -hmm.
Bye. Bye.